What's up, everybody? Welcome into another edition of the Canes Insight Podcast. I'm your host, Peter Ariz, alongside D Money. A great season for Canes Hoops came to an end on Saturday night against UConn. We will get, uh, you know, to the future of Canes Hoops moving forward, but just want to, you know, show them their respect for the great year that they had and, you know, taking the program to another level. But scrimmage over the weekend, D. We, we told you guys we would get to it this week, so let's just get right to it. Yeah, and those of you watching on YouTube or on Brid TV or in the new Canes Inside Studios, this is the beginning. We haven't done anything yet, so you're not really seeing too much, but this is going to be real nice when we're, when we're done doing our work here. Uh, but a lot of good stuff coming in the future, a lot of exciting things. We're going to be really pushing this to a new level, just like the program hopefully is doing. So... Wanted to talk about the scrimmage. You've read a little bit about it. I was able to attend and see how the team looked. To me, the most important thing, now that we have a year of evidence with the program, is comparing apples to apples. The defense is going against the offense. You don't know if the defense is doing good or the offense is doing good, but you can compare how we looked last year in spring to how we looked this year. So you can compare the systems particularly. And I can say unequivocally, this offense, to this point, is scoring more points and is operating at a higher level. That's just clear as day. Is it all the way there yet? No, but they're moving the ball. They're playing with more pace. The splits, the openness of the offense, it's not as congested as it was last year, and the receivers are playing at a higher level. Again, this year to last year. Um, just some specific highlights from the scrimmage this past Saturday. Tyler Van Dyke came out uh, very sharp, was able to move the team up and down the field on the first drive, uh, leading to a touchdown run by Terrell Walden, hitting Restrepo all over the place. Um, Jacoby George had a very nice scrimmage as well and was good from the jump. Jakari Brown, inconsistent. He's had some ups and downs in spring, getting used to the new offense and and not having the ability to run like he does in padded games. He's had to really develop his throwing. But he did hit Ray Ray Joseph, the true freshman from Edison, on a long play down the sideline, sort of a busted coverage, but was able to make the throw and score a long touchdown there. Also had a run that probably would have been a long touchdown if they were live. Van Dyke came back, had another nice drive, hit, hit Jacoby George uh, for a touchdown on a post. Nice pocket movements, getting plenty of time from the offensive line and throwing downfield again, much more so than you saw last year at this time. Uh, Camp Kitchens had a beautiful interception of Van Dyke, but in general, the offense operated at a high level. One person I want to highlight, I mentioned him last podcast, but he's really stepping up, Don Chaney. With these scrimmages, you can see guys tackle to the ground, so you can really see the balance, the ability to absorb contact of these running backs, full pads. Chaney is looking the part. Looks like he has burst. He's north and south. He can still show that jump cut when he needs to. His hip and knee looks healthy, uh, but he is showing the burst upfield, power, breaking tackles, um, doing a lot of really nice things at the running back position, looking healthy, looking strong, looking like what we need with Javante uh, Citizen. You, know, you're not, you don't know what you're going to get with him during the season because of injury. Rooster gone. Fletcher and Chris Johnson haven't seen him yet. So imperative that Don Chaney took this opportunity, and I think he's done that and shown that. Again, receiver, Kobe Young was out, but you saw Restrepo, you saw Jacoby George, Isaiah Horton at that X position. 
he does some of the things that Kobe Young does, very talented physically, getting better, not quite all the way there from a consistency standpoint, but you see improvement. Robbie Washington, again, a little nicked up, but he's made some plays. Yeah, I was going to ask you any young guys stick out. Ray Ray Joseph, again, I mentioned the long touchdown, but he's also made himself available quite a bit. But it's going to be Restrepo. It's going to be Colby Young. It's going to be who else can step up, who else can be added through the portal as far as the, the guys at the wide receiver position. Something else that caught my eye is the young tight ends. I'm talking about Riley Williams, Jackson Carver. Both of those guys looked apart from a length standpoint. They got it. They can both move. They're both quick. They're both hands catchers. Riley Williams further along as a receiver and just an overall player. But Jackson Carver, a lot of upside, almost six foot seven, big frame. I thought he'd probably be a defensive end down the road, but he looks good at tight end. He can catch the ball. He can catch in traffic. More of a lacrosse player, multi-sport guy, track, basketball, hockey. He did everything, which you love. Developing as a player. Was injured this year at, 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 at Culver, so he didn't play as much. Or sorry, he believes that Loomis Chaffee. He transferred to another prep school, but didn't play that much due to an injury. But he's catching on. You can see the upside. He's not as raw as you might think. He can still make plays. He's just not game ready yet, but has quickness at 6'7 that you might not expect when you look at his body type. He can run. He can catch. Again, he's going to be big. And these guys getting an opportunity with Arroyo, you know, still on the mend. Right, and Cam McCormick, more of a blocker. Memorelli out. Khalil Brantley transferred to Southern Methodist. So these are guys that are getting a chance, and you can see their talent. And then, of course, offensive line, when we're sticking to the offense, just much, much, much improved in terms of the first team. You're talking about left tackle Jalen Rivers, lockdown JV on Cohen from Alabama, Matt Lee, who gets rave reviews from everybody you talk to at the center from UCF. Ines Cooper showed flashes last year, way slimmed down. He's very, you know, he's not skinny, but he's lighter than he was last year, and he'd already lost weight to play last year. So he's continuing to go down in weight, still massive. And then right tackle Francis Malagoa looks like he's going to be one of those freshman starters. Samson Okalola, he's your second team left tackle, but doing a nice job. Strength's the thing with him, but as far as a second team offensive line, pretty weak, but he is by far to me the best guy, certainly the most talented guy on that second-team offensive line. But overall, offense much improved. Did they win the scrimmage? Hard to say, but my takeaway was this offense looks a lot more fun to watch. Well, and and you said at the, at the outset that you'd like to compare apples to apples, and although it's not the, you know, the same coaching staff, and I asked you the question last week, I feel like this is going to be a recurring theme. We have the same quarterback that we had when Rhett Lashley was the offensive coordinator. Uh, the more you're starting to see, and it's I'm sure only you know a quarter of of what the offense is gonna gonna become, but how similar are are the are the offensive styles? Similar. Lashley was faster. The pace with Lashley was the fastest in the country. I don't think we're gonna be that fast. We'll be faster than last year, but not faster or as fast as we were with Lashley. Also, Lashley was really good at just scheming up wide open touchdowns. One a practice where it was a, a Mallory or a Rooster. You saw it in games where they'd be just wide open. You don't see it as much, but again, the offense is still this is still vanilla to a certain degree. Right. You're not seeing all the all the wrinkles. So that will come. But it's closer to that than you saw last year, certainly. It better be. And one guy wanted no, no question. One guy wanted to mention Emery Williams at quarterback, having some nice days at practice, stringing together some nice days. My concern with him has always been the athleticism when it's live and can he move around. He's a big kid. But in terms of a controlled setting and practice where 
more of a seven-on-seven feel or just you can't – the quarterbacks aren't alive. He does have good footwork in the pocket, nice release, very well-schooled, more arm strength than I thought. He really can drive the ball. He's not like a Sheriff's or a Matoka that can't throw. This guy's got arm strength and also has a really tight spiral. And just still learning. He's not like some guy that's going to come in and start as a freshman anywhere, but like what I've seen from him in this setting, I think the last couple days have been very good for him. So defensively, D, you know, you mentioned Cam Kitchens uh, in the beginning of the show as, as a standout. Um, did anyone else catch your eye um, or any overriding themes uh, for, for that side of the football? I'd say Ahmad Moten. I mentioned him a bit last week, but he's continuing to emerge. Is he going to be the superstar, you know, All-America this year that you want? No, but he is progressing into a guy that looks the part, looks like a quality defensive tackle in a real big boy defensive line rotation. He's got size. He's 310-plus without being fat. He has length. He has explosive burst. This is a guy that Oklahoma wanted badly. Uh, Brett Venables, who knows what he's doing, wanted Moten. And this is a guy who emerged later in his career, kind of a late bloomer, and you're seeing started a little bit slow here, but now is really picking it up. He's been starting every practice. The starting D-line has been consistently Chance Williams, Nigel Lee Kelly, Branson, uh, Brandon Dean, and then Moten as your big defensive right. tackle. And he's making plays, plays in the backfield. He's stout. Again, looks the part. You're going to add to that defensive line rotation a lot with the Leonard Taylor and Jared Harrison Hunt. I think a lot of the comments coming out of the scrimmage were that our defensive line is thin, and that's right. I mean, you had walk-ons all over that second-team defense, particularly a defensive tackle. Uh, number 84, I don't know his name, but he was out there quite a bit. But in terms of the starters, going against the starters, which is good on good, typically, Ahmad Moten really impressed me with how he's coming along. Brand, uh, Brandon Dean is going to do his things. The Purdue transfer, 290 pounds, more of a penetrating kind of guy. But those two. But it sounds like Moten's a guy with a ton of upside, and he's going to be what you want in that rotation. Now you want three guys like that, maybe two guys like that, and the guy who's super dynamic first round pick. But he's at least a step in that direction, at a position where we need more of those. And he's getting a chance to shine, like Cheney, because of the injuries, and he's he's doing a real nice job. Uh, Chance Williams, very good against the run. He's making plays. The two freshmen are getting a lot of run with the first team, which is Jaden Wayne and Reuben Bain. Reuben Bain is, we've talked about him. He's given everybody the work. He's good against the run. He's good against the pass. Uh, thicker than I thought, just more. He looks better body type-wise than I thought he might have looked in high school, uh, at least when you see him on Green Tree. He's given Samson the business. He's tough to block no matter who's out there. Uh, well, he's been, I mean, he did it not only week, week in, week out in high school, but then you saw it, you know, in the all-star circuit as well. So, look, it, again, like you said, it's it's no surprise that he's handling business, but the way that he looks is is more of the you know again I don't want to call it a surprise, but um, it's it's something you may not have been banking on this early at least. No, and uh, David Stone, the blue chip best defensive tackle in the country, who was at practice watching Ruben Bain do his thing, commented on his ability. He's someone I'm not gonna do a full bank this week, but David Stone, somebody that Miami feels very good about, had a really really good visit to Miami. They need defensive tackles, like we mentioned. This guy's the best in the country. He looked, definitely looked the part in person. Uh, not a lot of fat on that guy. He's ready to rock. But 
he saw Bain, who Bain dominated against IMG with three sacks, and he was there live for that. Also seeing his old teammate Jaden Wayne play, and Wayne, not as dynamic a pass rusher as Bain, but he's making plays, he's stout, he's fast, he, he's, he's out there with the ones and doing his thing. Some other freshmen that you're seeing with the ones, Bobby Washington, I mentioned last week, continues to make plays, a lot of tackles, very active, fast at that same position. Every every game, every Flies practice. to the ball. Yeah, you hear about him, and and, and you know, every time I'm out there, he's hard to miss. He's not as big as you want weight-wise right now, but the height, the speed, the change of direction. I was worried about the instincts because you don't know. He was off the edge a lot in high school. Now he's more of an off-ball linebacker. No problem. And when he does take a false step, he's a legit 4-4 guy, so that speed is there. Will he be able to tackle to the ground when it's fully live? He's done it so far. That's going to be more of a test as he – he puts weight on and just you know continue to do the right things, but continues to flash. Bobby Washington. One more name I want to mention at the linebacker position: Francis uh, Malgoa, the Francisco. Francisco, yeah. I'm sorry, the the linebacker from Washington State. He looks like a dude. He's got stopping power. You're seeing a little more experimentation with the other linebacker spots, whether it's a Corey Flagg next to next to Malagoa, or it's a Keatre Smith next to Malagoa, a Wesley Besaint next to Malagoa. The constant is Malagoa. He is going to start. He is going to play a lot. He's going to be a leader of this defense with the way that he can run. He's pretty good against the pass. He's gotten a couple of picks. But really what you notice about him, size, and then when he tackles people, they stop going forward. It's not a drag-down situation. He is. He has stopping power. And Miami needs some of that at the linebacker position, and he's bringing that to the table. Uh, on the back end, other than Kitchens, anyone stand out? Position I'm worried about. I mean, that yeah. defensive backfield, James Williams is hurt. So if you're listening to this and you're wondering why we haven't talked about James Williams, James Williams has been out. He'll be back it's for just the season. That, so much uncertainty at the corner spot. Corner, Devontae Brown to me looks the best. Yeah. But they, uh, my money would be on him being the guy. Yeah, they need a number one corner, in my view. Chris Graves up and down, makes some plays, but still young. Terry Roberts is smaller. Daryl Porter smaller. So they need to be a number one kind of guy. We'll see what Damari Brown brings as a true freshman. Wish he was here already. But that's a position to watch. I felt a lot better about that position last year with Tyreek Stevenson and DJ Ivy. And now and those guys didn't even perform because of right. other issues going on with the defense. But if you're just talking about eye tests, again, apples to apples this year, last year, we looked a lot better at the corner position last year, size, speed, etc. Safety, Marquise Williams is still starting, still doing his thing. But they, there needs to be more help at, at both of those spots. I think a, a transfer corner, a transfer safety will really bring those rooms together. Well, we, I mean, listen, Mario's already said it. They're going to be active. Uh, in the portal, and that'll be you know in a, in a few weeks now, that'll that'll heat back up again. Um, so it'll be interesting to track that. Um, it sounds like it was an eventful scrimmage. Uh, still, you know, a few more weeks here until the spring game. Obviously, uh, some more storylines will will emerge. But it seems like you know some of these young guys starting to assert themselves and really put themselves in position uh, for when the season starts, even when some of these guys come back from from injury. Yeah, one guy I want to mention, too, that I didn't. Uh, Thomas Gore, small, not going to be a starter or anything like that, but he made some plays against the second-team offensive line, which is not the strongest, but you can see how he causes problems for teams and will fight his way into the rotation, although he's not going to be a feature guy like Dean, for example, who's also smaller 
but is starting. I think Gore more of your rotation guy, but starting to show you a little bit of the disruptive ability he has. So looking at Kane's hoops now moving forward, obviously that was a, you know, a tough loss on Saturday night, but like we said at the beginning of the show, super proud of what these guys did. And you got to be excited about the, the future moving forward. You know Jordan Miller's gone. Isaiah Wong, most would assume that he's, that he's gone. Um, but I don't think that's a 100% slam dunk. We've seen him already once enter the draft, you know, without signing with an agent. You know, seeing what his market looked like at the next, at the next level and then deciding to come back. I, I wouldn't, you know, completely count that out. Um, but let's just assume those two guys are gone. You have a Nigel Pack coming back, a Norchad O'Meer, who, you know, really is the heart and soul uh, of this team, a Wooga Poplar, uh, you know, an Anthony Walker still has some eligibility left. Um, and then, you know, there's obviously some young guys. We have Bensley Joseph, who you'd, continue, you'd expect to continue to take that next step. And then you know what Coach Al and his staff is most likely going to do uh, in the transfer portal. Um, and we've seen them do it before. It, 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 you, had a, you got a Nigel Pack last year who was one of the, considered a top five, you know, transfer out there. Um, but some of the guys that they've taken in the past haven't necessarily been the biggest of names. Jordan Miller was not a huge guy, you know, when he transferred over at the time that he did. Um, so he, he's been he's been able to pick up guys who fit what they're looking for in the system. Um, and with the guys they have coming back, I'd expect this to be a top 10 to 15 team preseason. Wong is obviously the story there, kind of yeah. like last year. Miami was in a similar spot last year with Wong. To me, if you're not going to be a lottery pick, you've seen guys like Jalen Brunson. Was Brunson a four-year guy? He, he stayed for a while. He was a three- like. or four-year guy. I don't know if he was four years. But but he came into the league right. fully formed. right? He had game already. Right. Wong just started really hitting threes this year to me consistently, and he has more room to grow as a shooter off the dribble deep in my view, in college. His decision-making certainly could use some work as he'd be more of a point guard of the pros. So why not go to the pros as a fully formed product? Maybe you're, again, like Brunson, like a high second-round pick, late first-round pick, but you have your game ready to go so you can go right on the field, uh, on the floor and play. That, that to me, makes a lot of sense, especially if you're getting paid. We'll see how the NIL situation works out. But that's something to watch. To me, we talked about it off air, you were talking about the need for a center transfer. I don't see Omir as anything but a center. So I'd like them to work around Omir and maybe get a longer 6'9", 6'10", power forward, someone bigger than what who Miller was. Who can defend, who can, def who, you know, you need another You need another body in there. And, and you know, we when we were talking about it before the show, but you need a guy, you you need another, you need some more length in there. And A.J. Casey can be that next year. He's another guy we didn't we didn't mention. Uh, Favor Ira, I, I don't know if I'm saying his name uh, correctly, but he's a guy who saw sparing, you know, minutes this year, but, but wasn't really uh, obviously part of the rotation. Um, you know, you have guys coming in. Again, I don't know how to pronounce his name. Nwoku, uh, I believe that's his name. Um, but you're going to need some more length coming in, I believe. Again, Jordan Miller was one of your bigger guys, so right off the bat there, you're going to have to replace him. Um, but I think moving forward, it's it's a very, very solid core. 
Oh, no question. And Omir's a unique player. Pack with his range. These are unique guys uh, that already have a lot of confidence. Another decision maker I think would help. We talked about it again off air. Miller handled the ball a lot for his position and passed very, very well. It was a key aspect of his game was the passing, key part of this team. So you lose a veteran decision maker like that. Pack's not a real point guard. Wong is not a real point guard. Poplar, that's not his game. So another guy that maybe just gives you three or four assists a game, just moves the ball, makes that that gets the kind of the hockey assist sort of thing, that would help quite a bit to replace what Miller brings. You're not going to replace all the things Miller does, but if there's one aspect of his game that I would miss the most, it's just that smart decision-making with the basketball, which kind of calmed down the guards who maybe weren't the, the true point guard decision makers. Harlan Beverly is another guy who who could come back. You know, you have to wonder if there's certain guys on the roster who may look for a more prominent role elsewhere, right? So, you know, he's a guy who's been a you know solid contributor to this Miami team. But I I would imagine there's going to be some some roster shuffling, you know, moving forward with guys that we're talking about right now. And then you know, there's some guys who really didn't see much time. This year, who I know they're excited about, a Chris Watson, a uh, Danilo Jovanovic, who I've heard some people compare him to a, you know, uh, a slower Jordan Miller, you know, very crafty, uh, can distribute the ball, good footwork, can shoot the ball, uh, you know, pretty well. Um, so, again, we've seen guys take huge leaps. Wooga Poplar is going to have to be that guy at the end of the day, whether Isaiah Wong comes back or not. Obviously, if he leaves, he'll really be a guy who steps up in a role where he's taking a lot more shots and and things of that nature, and just being you know more of a. This year, he was he was more of a role player who would step up in certain situations, um, and we would see the flashes of what we could what he could do. Um, but he will have to be a prominent guy for this team next year. I, I was listening to a couple of podcasts last week leading up leading up to the game. I think one of them was the CBS Sports uh, College Basketball one and. One of the guys actually said he had him, Jordan Miller, in in the in the twenty five to thirty five uh, range, and you know that might be a little a little early for him. But if that ends up being where he goes after what he did in this uh, in this run, that would be that would be pretty big for him. And then they also said though that Wooga Poplar would be the real long term top prospect for Miami and I think you you saw Dan Hurley say it as well that he's a future NBA player so and then again coach L said something similar that his trajectory is is just through the roof so to me he's that guy that takes the step and has to be really the biggest you know other than what we know about Pac and Omir um, his growth uh, could be exponential it's interesting the three most talked about players on the team, you would say Wong, Pack, and Omir, they might not be the best NBA prospects. It might be, like you said, Miller and Poplar with their length and versatility. Also, Poplar, a baseball player growing up, so the basketball instincts maybe are behind some of these other guys. So the more he plays, the more confidence he has. And when he really just starts letting it rip, I think he can do some really cool things just because of his touch. It's one thing to have touch. It's another thing to shoot with total confidence that you're not going to get pulled and you have that green light. That's how you get those really explosive games. He's the kind of guy that with his touch, his ability to get shots because he's long too, it's not like he struggles to get looks. When he that confidence part comes in, the sky's the limit for what he can do. 
And and you just again these names will start to emerge in the transfer portal over the next few weeks. You're already seeing a lot of guys making decisions, you know, over the last week or so. Um, because you know, if you aren't playing in the tournament, you have a you have a head start on and on the portal. And obviously, there's you know all these schools other than the four that just played this last weekend um, who have been able to get out there and start to recruit. But you would imagine that Coach Owen and his staff are already kind of uh, putting out their targets, and you know, may not may not be exactly pinpointed to who they want, but definitely putting out parameters for what they're looking for and you can only imagine what you, you know you you can't go out there and say that this is a flash pan success for Miami now that they've done it two years in a row and really seemingly turn the corner because what Laranega had already done before this year you could you could say was miraculous in a way but from a recruiting standpoint it's such tangible evidence for for this staff to point at um, that it should be easy for them to basically go get whoever they want. So natural progression D next year we'll, we'll probably lose in the national championship game and then two years from now uh, they'll take it home if it if it goes on this path. Hopefully they can they can bypass losing in the title game and just win it all next year. Yeah, that's uh, they thought it was a one off last time. They proved it wasn't. So experience going up the beliefs going up and the recruiting without the whole ncaa cloud and everything that's been in the past all systems go you got the stadium or so you got the arena you got the fan base you got no ncaa you got the proof of concept nothing keeping miami certainly got the nil you got nothing keeping from miami from being a top program in the acc and, and coach l's already said he's he's not stopping anytime soon so you know, I think Miami has them for another good four or five years at the very least. But who knows? I don't want to put a cap on it because the way that he's going, um, I, th I think they're that Miami fans are in for something special over the next over the next ten years or so, man, as as a basketball program. So we will be back next week talking more football as always. Probably have some some basketball portal news as well, um, but a ton of stuff coming again. This is our first show in the New Canes Insight Studios. It will be completely revamped over the next couple weeks. But go out there, like, subscribe, comment on all the you know channels. Obviously, we're on SoundCloud, iTunes, Spotify, YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, all the good stuff. So check in with us next week. We'll be back here on the Canes Inside Podcast. Go Canes. Thank <laughs> you.